We are the Love Jays, and you're listening to Married Millennials. A conversation about navigating life, love, and relationships, one student loan payment at a time. I'm Joy. I'm Justin. Let's get to it. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to episode 110 of Married Millennials. I hope all of you guys had a very enjoyable Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers who listen to this show. We had an amazing day with my mom and my family. We switched it up for the first time in literally 29 years. So typically for Mother's Day, my family are big eaters. So they always pick some type of brunch with a bottomless mimosa. And that's what we do every Mother's Day, every Father's Day, every whoever day, birthday, Jesus's day, your mama's day, your uncle's day, your auntie's day. It's just food, brunch, brunch. And that's what my family has done. But I have grown tired of the same routine. And my mom has too. And so she had voice to me, I want to say it was a few months ago that she wants to just do more activities, something fun, something different. So I pitched an idea to my siblings and said, let's go ride bikes on the beach and then we can go grab something to eat. So we all agreed upon that and we had an absolute blast. This was the first time my family and I have ever taken a ride on the beach ever. This was the first time in life. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was fun to do something that we had never done as a family. So we rode about 15 miles along the, the, the L.A. coast from Marina Del Rey all the way down to almost Hermosa Beach and then back up. For those of you who don't live in L.A., you probably don't know what the hell I'm saying. It's far. But, but it, it was, it was just a good exercise. You know? So yeah. we were able to just laugh, have fun, ride on the beach. My nephew was having a blast. And then we went and had a nice... Late lunch, early dinner at an Italian restaurant, and it, it was everything was good. It was one of those days where you look back and say this was an absolute ten out of ten. Yeah. So my mom, brother, and I just lounged around her house, which was equally as amazing. We did the big Mother's Day last year. We went out to San Diego. We celebrated. So this year we stayed in. My mom has a fireplace. We turned our fireplace on. It was a gloomy day. I made breakfast. I made pancakes and potatoes and apples and. Well, I guess I didn't make an apple. I just chopped one up. <laughs> uh, and it's funny because my mom ate the pancakes and potatoes and left the apple. So I was like, eat a couple slices of apple. Of course you did. And then Justin, Come on, mother-in-law. And then Justin said, who's the mom here? Or not Justin. My brother said, who's the mom here? So, uh, yeah, it was a nice day. And then we all KO'd. Like, we took an hour and a half nap in the middle of the day. Naps the on any given day are always highlights to those days. Yeah. Like, if you think back and say, man, I had a nap today. Is that means you were you were really tired or you were working on something, you just needed a break and you had an opportunity to let your brain recharge and it feels so good. Any day really I can does. get a nap, it is a certified win. Yeah, it really is. And I think because it's such a privilege, you don't get to do it all the time. That's why it's so beautiful. But think about it. How much time do we waste on any given day? Naps are given this this bad this bad rap. Oh, you're wasting time. You take a nap in the middle of the day. Keep in mind when you were in preschool and kindergarten, we had nap time, designated time to relax and recharge. But if you think about between social media, phone calls, text messages, on any given day, we probably waste one to three hours a day on meaningless tasks that are not contributing or productive to anything we're supposed to be doing at work or within our personal life. So imagine if you had a built-in hour nap time every single day. Yeah. Your productivity would boom. Take a siesta. I can say, but it was like, oh, you're going to sleep. Like, 
what you, it, it's crazy that sleep is being penalized. Like that, that's what Yeah, but you used to be like, I feel like I, you're speaking from a place of experience. I am speaking from Because I have a, never, I, I feel great about naps. I've always felt great about naps. I think that they're excellent. Everyone should participate in them. They're great. Now, I don't think, like, you can't be knocking out for two hours every day. It's really supposed to be, like, what, 20, 30 minutes, 20, like a power nap? Whatever, like 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. If you were to able to, that's bake really that in, a sweet spot. It is, but but sleep is is penalized as a, neg- as a negative thing, and and I, for one, I don't sleep as much. I probably sleep about six hours a night, and since I started doing my sleep meditations, these six hours feel like eight hours. Mm-hmm. So if you want to improve your sleep, Michael Sealy on YouTube, that is not a plug. It just has plugged my life in mm-hmm. the in the best way possible, but. I, I'm just starting. To, I'm just starting to realize. It's like, okay, yes, there are times where you have to sacrifice your sleep. If things need to get done, you may have to stay up later than you originally want to stay up. Things happen. Life's happening. But if you're just sleeping to waste away the day, that's when it becomes an issue. But if you're sleeping because your body needs rest, there's mm-hmm. there's no issue there. And you train your mind and your body. Your body will tell you how much sleep you really need. But I would love to have a baked in nap because I know for sure I'm wasting at least an hour a day. Easily doing something unproductive. And it was funny because I was talking to Joy last week and I had an idea for all the business owners out there and anyone who owns like a corporation. Small business may be a little tough to implement, but if you're about a 20, 30, 40 plus, so that is still still technically a small business. But I, I want to pitch this idea to you guys. And talking about wasting time and, and not being as productive when we go to work or whenever in any other task that we're trying to accomplish. Imagine if you owned a company and you put a penalty on employees who worked overtime. We're saying instead of encouraging overtime, saying staying till it gets done, if you were to say every time you worked past a specific time, say our hours are 9 o'clock to 4 o'clock, if you work past 4 o'clock after three times, you will be let go from your job. Imagine the type of productivity. Not let go. Not, okay. Penalized. Penalized. Yeah. Okay, not, not let go. That, that, that may be extreme. Harsh, yeah. But you will be penalized if you work overtime. Imagine if you came in at 9 o'clock in the morning and you knew you could not stay past 4 o'clock on any given day. What you would get done in that time frame, completely different. You may walk in, say, hey, hello, have a few conversations. How was your weekend? How was your day? Great, but I got to go to my desk. I got to get some work done. You put your headphones and you lock mm-hmm. in because you know for sure you, ha- you have to leave at 4 o'clock. I, I, there's just, to me, there's a, a misconception on let's just give people unlimited amounts of time to work and we'll just pay them to get it done. But if you sit and think, it, it, when I was in college, when I would write a paper, someone would tell me, Oh, this paper is due in eight weeks. You think I started writing that paper eight weeks in advance? No, I started writing the paper a day or two before, and it would always get done. So when you put pressure on people, when you put a time limitation on people, we typically tend to focus in a lot better. So I want to find a company out there. Some CEO is listening to this show, and I want to have a conversation with you, and I want to come up with a strategy where you could change the culture of your work environment to say overtime is not permitted at all, and even when you leave... You may have like an hour or two grace period where you can respond to emails, but then email communication ceases after 
you know, six o'clock, and then it can't be picked up until six or seven o'clock in the morning. Like, imagine. I think that the type of it would need to be because I, I'm thinking that this might have adverse effects, especially for certain kind of people who maybe don't work well under pressure, and then they're distressed because they're like, "I have to get this done," and then if I don't get this done in this amount of time, then I can't work on it anymore. But I'm not going to be able to finish it, and you know, like there's a stress. So then maybe instead of like you cannot, it's discouraged. That you work overtime, you if you can, if you choose, but it's discouraged. See, I I, don't, I would say that because I don't I do, agree with that. I, I do. Don't, I, I I can see that Obviously, it, it may, my opinion. <laughs> of course, it may add more stress to certain people. But when you operate in a deadline, you will motivate and move yourself a little more forward or a little ahead and get things I done. Like, when I have less time, I do perform better. But I don't know if I had less time. All the time, if it would, if that would, I, I don't know if that would do it. it but it, what it's doing is it's optimizing your efficiency in, in a company. It's like these are our times to get work done. And now we work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Oh, I don't get to the office, I'll respond when I get home. Oh, if I didn't get to it this week, I'll respond on the weekend. I'll just pick it up early in the morning before I head into the office. There's always oh, there's more time because we have our cell phones, they have our emails. Right. We're constantly accessible. So if it doesn't get done within the parameters of us being at the office, yeah. it doesn't matter I'm, because I'm we can mostly, complete the task any time yeah, of the day. I mostly agree with it. I do think workday should be shorter. I do not think. I, I think the eight-hour workday is now unnecessary for most professions, not all. Um, but, but now that we have email, I mean, technology has sped up the workday. It used to be, you know, to get something to somebody, you would have to fax it. And before faxing, you would have to get someone to run something somewhere, right? Or you would have to mail it. Like just the process to do things was just slower. Now it's instantaneous. So it just doesn't make sense. You know, there are days where you can get your whole job done in a couple hours, but you're sitting, but you're sitting there for yeah. eight hours a day, and companies so are wasting you spread money. it out. Yeah, yeah. So I do for it, for oh. the most part, I do agree with you. But I don't think because it's all the way on the other side of things, right? So the problems that you have on this side of things, you're having different, uh, just a different set of problems with that. So there needs to be the middle is the answer. So well, I'm I saying. want, I want to, I want to speak to a business owner. I want to speak to a CEO who is interested in having this conversation because when it comes to business, at the end of the day, you're caring about dollars and cents. And if you can optimize your day and find out, okay, how can we streamline this process, you may realize that you have unnecessary departments, you have too many employees that are unnecessarily working, but if I can optimize each position, I can save time and I can save money. And my employees don't hate coming to work every day. That makes a difference. I'm interested in having the conversation because I, I, I believe that a change is needed. And if you want to have the conversation, I'm happy to assist. We will also be assisting our single friends this Sunday, May 20th, at a simple bar in Hollywood. We're so excited for this event, you guys. The Mingle is a singles mixer and panel designed to help singles navigate the dating scene. We're 
I mean, I'm pumped. Are you pumped? I am very excited. This yeah. is our first standalone Love Jays event, and we are coming with that fire. Joy and I are moderating the panel, and we're diving in. You know, with on this show, mm -hmm. there is nothing that is off limits. So that's what we're going to do with this event. We are peeling under the surface. So our panelists better be ready because the questions are coming. And the audience members, too, better be ready because I may call upon you to ans answer some questions mm -hmm. uh, because this is, this is the, the point of the event. And as we talked about in our episode that we released a few weeks back, maybe even a month now, is that dating shouldn't be this difficult. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be. I'm not saying it's not hard. Because clearly it is difficult for a lot of people, but it shouldn't be this difficult. And we want to create a safe space where we can really talk about what is going on in the dating scene in Los Angeles. And it's not even just Los Angeles, Los Angeles because we hear these stories from our listeners across the country. We're just in a in a in a interesting social environment right now, and no one really knows what to do. So if you are single and you are sick and tired of the games, of the BS, of the nonsense, make sure you bring yourself to a simple bar in Hollywood, California, this Sunday, 5 to 8 o'clock p.m. for great conversation mm -hmm. and great people. Oh, I can't wait. And if you are currently in a relationship and you know some single friends who need to be there, make sure you pass the information along to them as well. For tickets, you can go to lovejays.com slash events, or you can go to Eventbrite and type in The Mingle, and we will pop up. Tickets are only $5, and they are moving fast. So make sure you grab them before it's too late. Another fun thing we've implemented this year is Pillow Talk Live. I... Love, love, love Pillow Talk Live. We do it every Thursday at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Instagram and Facebook. We're just streaming live, hanging out, talking to you guys, answering questions if you have any. But I feel like the conversations are just conversations. Like we're just sitting there. It's really we're just talking, talking for an hour. We're just hanging out in the living room. Like imagine yeah. you invited some friends over yeah. to the house and you guys yeah. are just talking about what's going on. That's really what Pillow Talk Live is. Yeah. And it's an opportunity for the Love Jays crew to engage with everyone. With one another. Yeah. And it has been very enjoyable. Last week we had a really good time. We, <laughs> we, we were talking about we talked about this as America, amongst mm -hmm. a few other things. But then we started talking about Harry Potter. I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know how Harry Potter came up, but it's amazing. But Joy and I, and then it came from because one of the one of the the listeners is a librarian. Oh yes. And that and that's how it started. So she's a librarian. And then Joy was like, "Oh my gosh, I love books." And then that's how Harry Potter came up. But Joy and I went to Harry Potter Land here in Los Angeles at Universal Studios. And when we went, we purchased the little Harry Potter wands. And keep in mind, I was not a... I feel like it's called the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Harry Potter land. It, it, you know what there I'm trying no to say. There are no lands. Okay. okay, go ahead. Go what, ahead. What's go the, ahead. the correct language? You yeah. all know what I was saying when I said it. But I was never a, a big Harry Potter fan. I didn't read any of the books. But Joy was a Harry Potter lover. And because she loved and was so obsessed with this... The series, I decided that I watched, would watch all the movies, and I can confidently say that I thoroughly enjoyed all the movies. So if you're still out here hating on Harry Potter, I'm not saying you have to read the books, but you should watch the movies because they are enjoyable. But I ended up <laughs> getting a wand with joy. So we both purchased a wand, and yeah. they've been sitting in our living room forever. But during the Pillow Talk Live, I ended up grabbing them, and then we just started being ridiculous on the live, and everybody fell out. Yeah. And the, the reason why I brought it up is because there's just sometimes when you're in a relationship, 
when you're married, you have to do things that your partner cares about and loves about. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't read Harry Potter books growing up. No. no, I didn't watch the movies on my own. But my wife loved them. She yeah. enjoyed them. And to create a bond and connection between us, I was more than happy to jump into something that she enjoyed. And now we can sit here and have fun. So here we were on Pillow Talk Live, wizard fighting with our wands. And you guys are probably like, you're so ridiculous. But these are the little (laughs) things that that truly make all the difference in your relationship. Mm -hmm. Something so small that you are fighting tooth and nail. I would never do that. I don't like this. This is silly. This is stupid. All things that I could have said. But it it didn't kill me to watch these movies and they're like oh okay I have some questions I'm interested and now it's created a forever bond between us because I was willing to make one small action to make a lifetime of difference right sometimes that's all y'all gotta do one little action can alter the happiness and the state of your relationship but you wanna fight it all the time why you wanna fight I mean, keep in mind, this is growth on my end. Uh, yeah. This, this is yeah, speaking yeah. from a, a personal level of growth. I'm trying to tell you, this journey I've been on in 2018 has changed my life in, in more than one way. And I can honestly say the biggest key in this entire thing has been meditation. I, I, I can't say it enough how much meditation has changed my life. But through this entire process... I have just realized how much more enjoyable life is when you don't try to fight it. It's just so interesting. I really love every time you say it. You've brought it up on, I think, every show since you've started meditating. And now you can see why I was so gung-ho because it's just, it truly is. It's that life-changing and it's that necessary. You just, you want everyone to know. You want everyone to know that there's a way to function better, basically. Without question. And, yeah. the, and the thing what, what it's helped me understand is we fight unnecessary things in our lives. Mm-hmm. We just, we're just resistant to it because someone else said it or you've never done it, that we just have a natural resistance to it. And we fight and we fight and we fight. And now I am open to almost anything and everything. I'll try it and if I don't like, the worst that can happen is if I try it and I don't like it, I don't ever do it again. Right, that's what I... That's literally the worst that can happen. That was my mission. I think shortly after I started meditating too, that's exactly the language that I use. I said, I'm finished. I'm done resisting my life. Anything that comes in or, or goes out, that's okay. You don't have to hold on so tightly because you don't know where your life is going. And chances are it's going somewhere really awesome. You just have to relinquish control in some ways and grab the reins in others. I think that... The reason why most of us are so imbalanced all the time is because things that we should let go of or hanging on for dear life and the things that we need to take control of, we're just like, oh, okay, whatever happens. And we just are like tumbling through the desert when we can be, you know, sipping a virgin cocktail by the, by the, <laughs> by the pool. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited for you. I'm excited for me. I, I'm excited that we both found something awesome that works for both of us and we're on the same page with it because I think that makes a difference too. Uh, speaking of supporting uh, a spouse and being able to do that on an individual level is just huge. How, huge. Many of, how many of you are in a relationship right now and you are trying to control and manipulate everything and you have a tight grasp on it all and you're miserable beyond belief? Mm-hmm. How many of you are there? How many of you are dating someone 
and you know that they are the person for you, but you can't let go of the past, you can't let go of your misconceptions or your scars, so you are unwilling to move forward in this relationship. How many of you are in those spots? I can confidently tell you as someone who's personally going through this journey that the more you try to control, the least amount of control you actually have. Mm -hmm. And this is a control freak talking to you in all seriousness. I have tried to control every single scenario in my life. And every time I controlled it, you know what I was just doing? Bringing more stress to my body. Mm-hmm. More control meant more stress, more stress. Yeah, because you never stress. actually had because, control. No, you don't. It's because an all, illusion. all you're doing is just pulling strings and you're tired and you're stressing yourself out. Mm-hmm. And when I started meditating, what it did was it allowed me to suppress. I shouldn't suppress. It allowed me to release the control and just let things happen. And of course, you still have to strategically plan and organize but there's a different level of control that is in place because it's like, I'm going to put this plan together and I'm going to move along this plan. But if it moves a little left or moves a little right, I'm going to rock with it. Just like when you're on a roller coaster and it leans right, what does your body do? You just lean right. You, you yeah. go with the flow of the movement. And I had never gone with the flow of the movement. And I can tell you in my personal life and in my professional life that it is making all the difference in the world. My creativity is booming. Yeah. I have so many ideas, and I used to always say, oh, I'm not creative. I don't have any creative ideas. And I could say my creativity might be surpassing joys right now. Like That's where my creative levels are just at. I'm just jumping out of the roof because I'm, I'm just letting life happen. Because you're, you've relaxed the muscle that you need to relax in order to have those kind of thoughts. I, I like to think of when you were speaking about control, just using the wrong muscle. You know how when you lift, you're supposed to squat. And then, if you have something yes, heavy, you're supposed lift to from squat, your legs. lift from your legs, yes. Engage your core, all that jazz. Well, I like to think of how you were living before is just like lifting with your back, right? And then eventually, your back's messed up. And you're wondering like, oh, why is this happening? But you keep lifting the wrong way. And then one day you discover, oh, you can lift from your legs and your core and everything's fine. There's no pain. So it's the same action, but the approach is different. And you're using the muscles that you're supposed to be using. So you're fine. You could still do all the things that you were doing. You just need to approach it in a different way. Will Smith released a video last week all about how he became the prince of a town called Bel Air. I can't resist. I put this in the weekly wellness newsletter as well. But it was... An, very, a very inspiring story because you think, okay, he ha- had it all. And I kind of knew he had financial issues. I, I didn't know that. But but outside looking in, okay, you're a celebrity, you have it all. And then you have no acting experience. And somebody gives you the show on a platter and then it takes off. And you were just confident enough to live your life. And now you're, you've made it. And if anybody follows Will Smith on Instagram, which everyone should... He's, Legendary. He, yeah, he's dropping nuggets. He seems like he has always been this way. But what I like about Will Smith is that he's humble enough to let you know that he hasn't, that this has been growth, just like Justin was sharing with you earlier today. Like, he's a product of the lessons he's learned. And long story short on how Will Smith became the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he was broke. I don't know if he – did he have tax trouble? Yes. He had tax trouble. He, he had a hit 
with Parents Just Don't Understand, and then his next album flopped, and he didn't know what to do, and his girlfriend was like, his girlfriend at the time was like, you need to go on the Arsenio Hall show. And he was like, oh, okay, so you just want me to go on the Arsenio Hall show. <laughs> and she was like, yeah. <laughs> so he did. And while there, he met up with a man who, whose name I can't remember right now, uh, who was like, hey, I'm, there's going to be this party. You should come. And at this party, Quincy Jones approaches Will Smith and says, hey, we have this pilot. Uh, I want you to read for it. And Will Smith says, oh, okay, thanks. I'll, I'll take it and I'll read over it. And, uh, like, you know, thanks, thanks, that'll, that'll be great. And Quincy Jones, like, no, you're gonna do this now. And because the head of NBC was there, and Will Smith was like, oh, like, no, I need to prepare. <laughs> I'm not ready for this. And Quincy Jones, like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll schedule it in a couple weeks so that this head of NBC can cancel that, that meeting and then we can reschedule again and then he can cancel again. He's like, you can, what do you say? We can wait and this can never happen, or you can take 10 minutes. And change your life. That's the most powerful thing I've ever heard. And he did it. He took 10 minutes and he changed. And he became the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. If you are not subscribed to the Weekly Wellness Newsletter, Joy embedded the full video. So open that newsletter. If you have not subscribed, you are missing out on your entire life. So make sure you subscribe, lovejays.com. You'll see the pop-up. Boom. And, and you can start getting more keys. But go into YouTube and type in this video. And it really ties into control is Will Smith was like, okay, well, I need to be in control of the situation. I need to have time to prepare for these lines and schedule it. And, and Quincy Jones says, yeah, yeah, you can do that. Or you can take 10 minutes right now and change the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm talking about in relationships. There's some of you right now who are controlling every single aspect. But you can take 10 minutes right now and make a decision that you're going to change your relationship, you're going to change your dating life, and it is going to change the trajectory of your life. Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. 10 minutes. That's how long I meditate every morning. 10 minutes and it changes the trajectory of my day and it and because it changes the trajectory of my day it changes the trajectory of my week my months and it has definitely changed the trajectory of 2018 mm -hmm. and it started with 10 minutes mm -hmm. 10 that's our challenge for you this week what you gonna do for 10 minutes yeah. what can you do in 10 minutes that can change the trajectory of your life will smith went from broke to the fresh prince of bel-air yeah. The we pilot really was unscripted. They asked, like, what's your, what's your rap name? And he said, The Fresh Prince. And he said, great, that's what we're going to name the show. Yep. And he said, three months later, they were shooting the pilot. That is how life happens. When you let go, mm -hmm. three months later, Will Smith becomes a global icon. Mm -hmm. In 10 minutes, from a 10-minute decision, he went from a broke brother trying to find his way mm -hmm. to The Fresh Prince. A broke has been, even. Correct. Yeah. Powerful. Powerful, powerful, Huge. powerful. I'm so excited to get after it this week. And I'm so excited to get after it most weeks. <laughs> I said a few years ago that I was finished saying I have the Monday blues. Because I noticed I, I G-chat my friend. And I would only ever say happy Friday in all caps. All the other days were like, ugh. I have to get through this day. Oh, Monday. Oh, Tuesday. Oh, Wednesday. Oh, Thursday. Oh, oh, Friday. Friday's here. So I changed my approach to the weekdays. So now I celebrate every day. Monday's awesome. Tuesday's awesome. Wednesday's awesome. Um, Friday's still super awesome, but but I just I I have a, a, an appreciation for every day of the week because every day is an opportunity to 
swing your life in the direction that you'd like it to be swung in. I wanted to speak to you all a little bit about my journey with ADHD. It is Mental Health Awareness Month, this wonderful month of May, and has been since 1949. So yeah, let's let's get into that a little bit. Growing up, I was always told I had focus issues. My parents would be called into my classroom like, hey, you know, Joy doesn't really pay attention. She's really distracted and she she has an issue with focusing. And I don't really know what my parents' take on it was, what they thought my issue was with focusing, but it resulted in me getting a lot of one-on-one tutor, tutors, which is not a privilege that everyone has, but I did, we reference this all the time. I grew up in the suburbs that the, that resource was available to me. But I even remember with my tutors distracting them because I wanted to have a different conversation than the one we were having. Of course you did. Especially if it was math. I, and I would. We would start talking about life. <laughs> I was this little, you know, 10-year-old kid asking them personal questions. And sometimes they really would answer or tell me their thoughts on a subject matter because I was just so much more interested in that than, uh, you know, one plus one equals two. Even though that it wasn't that level of math, it was higher and it was confusing and it still is to this day. Eventually, I graduated from high school, went to college, and I noticed even there I could not quite focus. I just it just wasn't happening. I wanted it to, it wasn't. I majored in dance, minored in communication, so at least for a part of my dance major I was moving. And dance I dance I think saved me in a lot of ways because it was the ability to learn something while moving. And I was just telling Justin last week because he grabbed a pen from me, but it helps me to fidget sometimes. Sometimes I just have an excessive amount of energy and I need to move or I shake my leg a lot. I'm just, I have to get the energy out somehow. So I graduated from college by God's grace because Lord knows that was a struggle because it was the first time I had to really be self-motivated and try to pay attention and try to focus to get things done, to get grades that were okay enough for me to get out of there. Enter adulthood, and I'm noticing at work, I can't get my tasks done. And I mean, I'm trying to get my tasks done, but I'm not getting them done. And I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe you're just bored. Maybe you're you're uninterested and that's why it's not happening. So then I started getting up in the morning, going over everything I needed to do in my head, every once in a while writing out a tashi, and I would still realize at the end of the day, nothing got done. So I would go to work with the intent of getting a whole bunch of work done and it still wouldn't happen. I would have a bunch of internet browser windows open, confused as to why I just couldn't buckle down and work hard. So finally, I decided to research what was going on with me, and I found the adult ADHD community, and it sounded pretty familiar, everything. And it was nice because I realized I wasn't alone. It was very similar to finding out that I was introverted. (laughs) I just thought everyone was pretending to be focused, and everyone was pretending to be extroverted. I didn't know that everyone was different on the inside. Call that naive, but that's just the truth. So I set up an appointment with a psychiatrist and just to just to see what what they would say and when I finished my evaluation she was like so you have ADHD and it's combined type it which means that I have hyperactivity and impulsiveness uh both things that I think have you've have you witnessed both of those yes yeah <laughs> both of yes. those things Justin has witnessed uh and I I I did tear up on my way because I went 
right before work and I teared up and I called my mom because I felt like I had a name for this thing that had plagued me, if you will. Not plagued, yeah, no, it's, it plagued me a little bit. Um, and you all know that I've struggled with anxiety and depression and to have a name for something else. Is, uh, some people don't like titles, but I really <laughs> appreciate them because it lets you know, okay, there's a community of people that that struggle with the same things that you do. And I did try medication for a time. I didn't like it for me, um, but I would never, ever, ever shame people who do try it. The reason why the medication was difficult for me was because it was keeping me up a little bit too late at night. And sleep is really important when you have any kind of mental health, anything. Sleep is important. And I don't go to sleep super early now. Yeah, but but that was keeping me up. 1 a.m. was the earliest I was going to go to sleep. And that's just a little too late when you have to get up and work the next day. And I just didn't want that cycle of, you know, being kind of drugged out like, woo, and not being able to rest because it's just not great for me. What I also noticed on the medication was that when, when I'm not medicated for, I let's say my attention span is about five minutes. On medication, it was about 30 minutes, but my focus would still shift. It just slowed down what I will call here the ADHD process. My brain just moves quickly. That's why a lot of times I don't quite finish a full thought because I'm on to the next one already. Uh, it, It can be difficult for me to have a just conversation about one thing. It can be difficult for me to keep the house super clean because I'm constantly just putting things down and walking away and not realizing that I did it. And before I know it, the house is in shambles. Completing tasks can be hard. But I've I've naturally been trying to work through it with, yes, meditation, exercise, getting the proper nutrition, sleeping. All those things affect your brain chemistry. I know it doesn't seem like it would, but it just does. I, that's the best thing that I could ever tell anybody ever is that if you have any kind of mental health issue, if you take care of yourself, it takes the edge off. It won't make it go away, but it does take the edge off. So that's what I've noticed about about my brain here. And if anybody has any questions about having ADHD as an adult, I'm more than happy to answer them because it can feel very isolating and discouraging and affect your self-esteem in ways that you wouldn't even think because it feels like Sometimes you feel like, why can't I do this? Even though you can, but it just the timing of it doesn't work out because your brain's just kind of on a different wave. And also I've learned that people with ADHD have to kind of have different schedules. You have to learn how to work with your brain instead of forcing your brain to work in a certain way, which is why earlier I was a little Mm -hmm. defensive with your schedule because that schedule would be a nightmare for someone like me if it were an off day. Sometimes I have days where the focus isn't happening. And I kind of know when it's just not like, okay, this isn't going to be the day. And I don't beat myself up for it. I just say, okay, today is a day where your brain is going to do something a little different. And you might get a wonderful idea out of it. You might get something else on your to-do list done, something else that you've been wanting to do. But this specific work right here, right now, might not get finished. Maybe you'll maybe the goal will be to chunk away just a little bit of it. If I could just do a little, little, little bit of the project, then then that's a win for me. 
And, and again, I, it's really learning how to be kind to yourself and work with your brain, not against it. Now, to speak to your point that you just referenced is as someone who doesn't have ADHD, I still have days where I don't get anything done. So just because you have a time limit doesn't mean that you have to get work done. You just can't work at throughout any other time. Right. You still right now have a schedule in which you have to work mm-hmm. and you go home and you don't bring your work home. So what I'm saying, if that was collapsed, it's not really changing anything. So I, I understand your defense, but it, yeah. it, in actuality, it changes nothing. It's just condensing that time frame You're just condi- and streamlining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Now, being the partner or the spouse with someone who has ADHD, it was definitely a challenge because I was looking at Joy constantly like, what the hell is wrong with you? And for years, and I want to say about maybe two or three years, Joy was like, can you research ADHD? Can you research ADHD? Can you research ADHD? And I was like, I'm not researching this. Figure yourself out. you thought it was an excuse. And I didn't get a diagnosis until 25. We've been together. I didn't didn't think it was an excuse, but I just was like, you need to figure this out. Uh, and because I knew I knew this was a mental health disease, so for years she mental asked disease. me to, to to do research, and f- just finally, was probably what two weeks ago, yep. I finally did my research and read on, it and I was like, oh, so you are the perfect candidate and the perfect Poster description yeah. of ADHD, and it just helped me unpack some things and realize that you know this is a struggle that is your partner has to deal with. It is not who they are. It yeah. is a byproduct of their brain. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to realize and understand that they are struggling in a different way than you are struggling. And there was this one particular woman who's become an expert on ADHD, and I'm blanking on her name, but she wrote a book, and it was called You, Me, and ADHD. Mm-hmm. And basically saying is that you have a third party in your relationship or in your marriage that you have to learn how to manage. And since doing that research, but even before I started doing the research, I've altered my behavior to understand that you know, joy is not coming from a place of malice or ill no. intent to say, I'm just going to to say two middle fingers up to Justin and just do what I want is there are some times where she just doesn't care, but a lot of times it is her ADHD and realizing that this is what is happening. I just have to learn to accept that and then create systems to put in place that will help the two of us operate more harmoniously. And in my research, you know, I looked and, and saw that, and these were a lot of suggestions that Joy had previously made. And again, just because I wasn't open-minded to her. Remember that whole thing, the control that I was talking about in 10 minutes, it can change your life and not being a, a resistant prick. These are the things I'm talking about. So when I told you I'm speaking from experience, I wasn't lying. And, you know, so I went hearing Joy's comments and suggestions and then reading professionals say the exact same thing is I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you really can't fight anything anymore. You have to understand that this is a reality that you will deal with for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and you can try to control it mm-hmm. or you can adjust and operate accordingly. I'm trying to tell you all that control thing is it will, will get you in trouble. Case. It will get you in trouble. And so now I'm not, I'm not even you know, bothered anymore. I, just, I chunk it up. Now when I see things, I would just chunk it up and saying, okay, that's the ADHD. And instead of penalizing joy, which I always did, always. I just yeah. internalize it. Does it still 
bother me, of course. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't bother me as much, but they're still like, oh, because I have to pick up or move things and that I ne- don't necessarily want to do. But now that I have reassigned the blame mm-hmm. and moved it from joy and moved it to ADHD, is that we can communicate in a manner that is not yeah. parent versus child. And that's one of the, the big things the research talks about is the person with ADHD often feel ADHD often feels like the child and the one who doesn't have it feels like the parent and I think that's just such a toxic dynamic to have within your relationship and I've said that to you before too like you sound like my dad yeah stop being my dad. dad you say it all the time and so then to hear it and then see the research, you're like, oh, okay, well, let me uh, just scratch my head and, and figure out ways that I can adjust. So now, if you've noticed, I don't think I've really said anything to you in the past month. No. The thing is this. I have continuously, since I even found out about it, have been trying to do my part. And I've been working very hard at it. And because Justin didn't understand how my brain was working at all, he couldn't even acknowledge the the ways in which I had improved. He didn't understand the, the feat that it was. That this is a huge win for me, and I'm going to continue to work through some of my symptoms. <laughs> but I've also noticed that the more stressed I am, the harder time I have holding on to because it, this is work for me. It's not like oh, this is now a natural habit for me, and I have accepted now that that it will continue to be work. That's that's okay. I can do that most of the time. There will be some times where I'm not doing it. Things will be in shambles and that's okay too. But it's just, again, learning to work with it. And now that Justin's on board, that makes it a lot easier. Now that doesn't mean that I give him all the responsibility. It's like, oh, I have ADHD and I'm stressed, so I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> you, t- you do do that sometimes. But I, well, I do know, I, there are, but I communicate with you. Yes, you do. I communicate with you because that's the least I can do. The least I can say is like, you know what? I just really don't have it and I need you to be a little bit more relaxed right now. And, and you'll give that to me. So, so again, the, the, it boils down to communication. One more time, <laughs> look at that. It, it always boils down to communication. So, and and empathy and research. So, if your spouse or you, if you think your spouse even has ADHD, just look it up because it's so helpful to the person who's struggling. If your brain works. Well, I guess how most people's brains work, it's hard to understand it because I think you think, because you experience moments where you're not focused, you think, oh, I've experienced moments of ADHD too. And that is just, that's the symptom of it. Yes, but that's not the fullness <laughs> of what it is. Unless you have ADHD, you do not have ADHD. That's just, like people, oh, I'm so ADD right now. Like, that's not really a thing. I understand it because I, that's, I'm not I don't particularly feel sensitive to it but it does do a disservice to people that really do have it because our life our our entire existence is affected by it. It's not just like oh in this moment I have ADHD. I have it all the time with everything. <laughs> so and so the the overarching goal of this entire episode if you realize is to Stop being so resistant to change Mm -hmm. and things that are a little bit uncomfortable. Because I can confidently tell you is as I have become less resistant, things have improved in my life. Again, this is a control freak talking to you. And it makes all the difference in the world. 
You do not have to fight anything. And through growth doesn't mean you are turning your back on who you are and changing as a person. No, you're growing as a person. As you grow as a person, your thoughts are going to be challenged. Your ideas are going to be challenged. Your beliefs are going to be challenged. And when you see both sides of the coin, you can then decide how you want to move forward. But a lot of us will move forward with only knowledge of one side of the coin. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to Your ask side you. Of the coin. Oh, correct. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, and we are going to ask you this week, this month, to be a little more open-minded and stop resisting so much change and, and loosen your grip up on all these ropes and strings that you have so tightly grasped in your life. Let one go. You might be surprised what it does for your life. And you realize when you let it go that it really wasn't serving you or beneficial in any capacity. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Married Millennials. Make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. And if you have not yet left us a review, make sure you do that as well. And of course, share this episode with your friends. And as always, let's keep the conversation going online. You can head over to our website, lovejays.com, and you will see all of our social media icons right there at the top of the page. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday.